Hello and welcome to the Gospel Lens podcast. I'm your host Kevin and this is episode 3. If this is your first time listening, this is a place where I think out loud important questions and all things theology through the Christian perspective. So recently I've been doing the book of Genesis and just revisiting the creation account in the first few chapters and it reminded me of a fascinating story that's always been stuck in my head. and that is Augustine's pair theft. So who is Augustine? So Augustine was one of the earliest church fathers. He was a theologian, a philosopher. Uh he was even a bishop of the Hippo region. So he lived in modern day Algeria. So that's about northern Africa. And back then it was under the Roman rule and Greek culture was very prominent. So he was actually not born into a Christian home and there was no such thing as a Christian home back then. His dad or his father was was a pagan his mother was a believer she had encountered the gospel but he grew up not knowing the gospel he grew up as a pagan and he was born in about 350 AD that's about 300 years after Christ died and a couple of decades after the disciples died so he was part of an era where the early church movement or the christian movement was at its peak and saint augustine has had a huge impact He infused a lot of philosophy into Christian doctrine, most notably something called as Neoplatonism, and his works and his theology, his oratory, everything that he's written down is still highly influential even today. So many of the reformed preachers that you listen to, many of the churches that you go to has all been influenced a lot by the early church fathers, especially St Augustine. So his influence has sort of trickled down through the centuries. So I can go on and on about Saint Augustine I absolutely adore him but we are looking at one of his most arguably the most noteworthy of his works which is the Confessions which is nothing but an autobiography that Augustine writes about his life and it's literally a conversation between Augustine and God he is confessing everything that's happened in his life from childhood to adulthood everything just to God so the entire book is a conversation to god and augustine sort of pens down these events that happens in his life in a very beautiful manner he is again he's just conversing with god and he uses such rich language just infusing different attributes about god and so there's a lot of theology also sort of indirectly infused into the literature so if you haven't read the book the confessions by saint augustine you could download it from the internet it's free and you should start reading it because it's a fantastic read so one of the events that augustine sort of recalls as he's writing this as an adult he introspects and recalls this one event as a child where he and his friends go and steal pears right and the entire book the entire autobiography is sort of revolving around this one incident where augustine and his friends just go steal some pears And now this is a very fascinating and influential story. A lot of people have mentioned this in their sermons. I've read this in articles and it's absolutely fascinating. So let's just have a listen to how Augustine writes the story down and sort of extrapolate what he's trying to say from this one particular story um that he mentions in his book The Confessions. So let's have a listen. There was a pear tree close to our own vineyard. heavily laden with fruit which was not tempting either for its color or for its flavor 
Late one night, having prolonged our games in the streets until then, as our bad habit was, a group of young scoundrels, and I among them, went to shake and rob this tree. We carried off a huge load of pears, not to eat ourselves, but to dump it out to the pigs, after barely tasting some of them ourselves. Doing this pleased us all the more, because it was forbidden. Such was my heart, O God, such was my heart, which you did pity even in the bottomless pit. Behold, now let my heart confess to you what it was seeking there, when I was being gratuitously wanton, having no inducement to evil but the evil itself. It was foul, and I loved it. I loved my own undoing. I loved my error, not because I gained anything from it, but I loved the error in itself. A depraved soul, seeking nothing from the shameful deed but shame itself. Okay, so Augustine and few of his friends go and steal some pears. And you might be thinking, this is just a petty crime. What is so special or fascinating about this? But it's not as straightforward as it is, is it? What Augustine says, right? He says he and his friends go in the middle of the night and steal a huge load of pears. Okay, that seems nothing extraordinary in that. But look at what they do with it. They dump it to the pigs. And Augustine says that they even barely taste the pears themselves. That's weird. Because he's making it clear that the color of the pear wasn't tempting, nor the flavor was tempting. Okay, then why did they steal the pears in the first place? If it wasn't to eat it, if it wasn't to consume it, or to get any kind of benefit from it, why steal something that does not give you any benefit at all? I think of, you know, children stealing fruits or food items. I'm thinking of kids stealing cookies because cookies are tasty and they like cookies or chocolates or even mangoes. You know, you have this image of kids with all the mango juice around their mouth or the chocolate around the mouth because they like the food. But here is Augustine and his friends who don't even like pears. They didn't want to taste it. They didn't even want to look at it. They just completely dumped it and discarded it to pigs. So the question is, why did they steal it then? Because you take any crime and most of the crimes always has some kind of monetary or possessive benefit from it. That's why people commit crimes. I mean, if a bunch of people rob a bank, they're robbing the bank because they want the money. They want the money and the money is going to give them what they ultimately want. What motivated Augustine to do the crime? I mean, when you think of crime for the most part, there's always some kind of monetary benefit or some possessive benefit that you gain from the crime. That's why when a bunch of people rob a bank, they rob the bank because they want the money in the bank. There's always some kind of monetary benefit. But here is Augustine and his friends who don't get any benefit from it. They don't want the pears. They're not even taking the pears and selling it and getting some money and buying something that might benefit them. They're not even doing that. They just completely discarded it. So what motivated them? What was the intention behind their crime? This is what Augustine confesses, right? He says, Oh God, such was my heart. I loved my error not because it gave me anything, not because it gave me any kind of benefit, but because I loved the error or I loved the crime for the crime in itself. But this is the important thing. 
if you study criminal psychology almost all the time when somebody commits a crime he or she is strongly convinced that whatever they have done is good the person committing the crime always justifies their act as something which is good so let's take a mother who does not have money and she needs to educate her children so she goes and robs a rich person's house and gets money to educate her children you see in the mother's mind in her perspective what she's done is good in her mind she is completely justified her act of crime although it's objectively wrong in her perspective and point of view she believes very strongly that it's good so if you ask her if she did a wrong thing she say no because i had to educate my children i had to feed my children that's my right as a mother that's my duty as a mother and i had to do what i had to do so even though it's objectively wrong even though it's illegal almost all the time when somebody commits a crime they believe what they're doing is good they completely justify their act of crime they don't do it thinking that they're doing something which is against the law they always justify it always find a way and this is clearly a moral delusion right and this is what criminal psychologists really point out that the person committing a crime might be a petty crime to a huge one it's always the psychology is always that the person is convinced that what they're doing is good they don't view what they are about to do as something which is illegal and wrong and immoral they view it as something that is necessary something which is good and justified that's what motivates and pushes them to commit the crime but the thing is that's not the case with agustin and his friends agustin is confessing to god god i knew that this was an error i knew this was wrong but i did not commit the crime because i benefited anything from it i committed the error because i loved the crime and the error in itself agustin did not steal the pears because he wanted to eat it or he had any kind of benefit from it he stole it because he loved the pleasure he got from being a criminal he stole it because he loved the thrill of being a thief he loved the very crime in itself he loved the process of rebelling and doing something which is against the law he absolutely loved his own sin and that's why agustin says a depraved soul seeking nothing from the shameful deed but the shame itself now that is fascinating that is different that you don't see this in criminals you don't see this kind of psychology this absolute pure lust not for the object of the crime but for the very crime in itself and he himself is completely surprised now that he's 40 years old and he's looking back at the event so let's listen those pears that we stole were fair to the sight because they were your creation o creator of all o you good god god the highest good and my true good those pears were truly pleasant to the sight but it was not for them that my miserable soul lusted for i had an abundance of better pears i stole those simply that i might steal for having stolen them i threw them away my soul gratification in them was my own sin which i was pleased to enjoy for if any one of those pears entered my mouth the only good flavor it had was my sin in eating it now this gets even more intriguing 
Look at what Augustine writes. He says, I had an abundance of better pass. So here's Augustine stealing something that he had plenty of. And look at what he writes. My sole gratification in them was my own sin, which I was pleased to enjoy. Again, when you look at the nature of crime, crime is always committed when there is scarcity. So if I had a scarcity of wool or cotton, I would go steal wool or cotton. Now that would be a logical motivation. But here is Augustine who's writing that he had an abundance of better pairs, not normal mediocre pairs, but better pairs, but he still goes and steals something that he has a lot of. Doesn't make sense at all. It's like if I had 50 kg of rice in my house, enough for a year, but yet I go steal rice from my neighbor's house, that wouldn't make sense at all. Why would I do that? But here is Augustine saying this and he gives a reason and he writes it so beautifully when he says, my sole gratification in them was my own sin, which I was pleased to enjoy. For if any one of these pears entered my mouth, the only good flavor it had was my sin in eating it. Saint Augustine makes it clear that he loved his sin. He loved the process of stealing. He loved being a thief. He loved being involved in such an immoral act. That was what gave him pleasure. Not the object, not because it gave him any monetary benefit otherwise, but simply because just being involved in the act in itself, the sin in itself gave him so much of pleasure and that's why he did what he did. Now that is true human depravity in its fullest sense. Now there's another aspect to this story because it draws parallel to Genesis 3, the fall of man, where Adam and Eve eats the forbidden fruit. Now granted there are many differences, obviously. There is no serpent or temptation in Augustine's story. Augustine and his friends clearly knew what they were doing was wrong. But there is one commonality between both the stories. As we know, the serpent comes in Genesis 3 verse 1, Ask Eve, did God really tell you not to eat of every tree in the garden? And then Eve sort of lays down what God commanded. And then something happens in verse 4 and 5. This is the fundamental question. What motivated Adam and Eve to sin? What motivated Augustine to commit the theft? Now we know he did it because he loved the sin. But what was so enticing and appeasing about the sin in itself? What was so great about it? In the same way, what was so great about what the serpent offered Adam and Eve? And this is where Augustine in this last part offers us incredible insight into the depravity of man. So let's have a listen. Did I wish, if only by action, to rebel against your law, even though I had no power to do so actually, so that even as a captive to sin, by doing immoral deeds, I might produce a sort of fake freedom that was forbidden to gain a deluded sense of power? Behold the servant of yours, fleeing from his Lord and following a shadow. O rottenness, O monstrousness of life and abyss of death, I found pleasure in what was unlawful, not because it benefited me, but only because it was simply unlawful. Once again, Augustine emphasizes on the fact that he found pleasure in the crime simply because it was unlawful, not for anything else. But this is the most important thing about this story and how it parallels with Genesis 3. He says proceeding to that, that he looked, he desired 
to gain a sense of deluded power from doing this act of theft. So this is what Augustine is saying. Yes, he loved the sin. Yes, he loved the crime. But why did he love it? Because it gave him a deluded sense of power. It made him feel omnipotent. In other words, it made him feel like God. To put it simply, Augustine went and did what he clearly knew was wrong. He went and did what clearly he knew was against God simply because he wanted to imitate God and have power. Now let's compare that with what the serpent says or tempts Eve with in Genesis chapter 3 verse 5. This is what, this is what the serpent says. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You see, this is why Eve went ahead with her disobedient act. Because she was so amused and she was so attracted to the fact that she could become God. She wanted to imitate God. In other words, the creature wanted to become the creator. Eve wanted power. This is what Augustine also says. He went and did a crime that he knew was clearly wrong simply because he wanted to gain power. He felt in control. He felt like God. And this is the most fascinating thing about this story and Genesis 3. That man by nature wants to become the creator. Man by nature wants to displace God and get complete control man wants power that's why eve did what she did that's why adam did what he did because they knew that they had a chance of gaining full control and gaining and receiving power now why is power so dangerous why is power so appealing and attractive it's simple power makes you happy and you know why it makes you happy and this is important so listen to this Power gives you the freedom to act like yourself rather than having to be bound by the way others want you to act. I'll repeat that. Power gives you the freedom to act like yourself rather than having to be bound by the way others want you to act. Just think about it. Think about anybody who's in a powerful position. It can be your principal, your boss, your head of the department, a politician, or even the prime minister. Why do people become really evil and rude and corrupt when they become powerful? Because power gives you the freedom to act like yourself. That's the beauty of power. That's why it's so attractive. That once you reach a point where you don't have to submit to somebody else above you, you can do whatever you want and you can go according to your nature. And what's the nature of man? complete and total depravity. Psychologists refer to this as the paradox of power. The very traits that help leaders to accumulate control in the first place all but disappear once they rise to power. So instead of being polite, honest and outgoing, they become impulsive, reckless, rude and corrupt the moment they have power in their hands. It's simple because power gives you the freedom to be like yourself. You don't have an authority to report to. You don't have to subject yourself to what others want you to be. And this is what Adam and Eve were so attracted to and why they committed that act of disobedience. The serpent was so cunning because he knew 
that the inherent nature and desire of man was to become the creator the inherent desire of man was to become god himself the inherent desire of man was to gain full control and power so that man can do and be whatever he wants to be you see this is why the gospel is foolishness to man this is why people will never be able to accept christ on their own because nobody wants to give up control nobody wants to submit to anybody let alone an ideology everybody wants complete control and power and that's why the gospel is always going to be foolishness to men and unless the spirit blows in us unless god regenerates our heart man by nature would never want to be subject to authority and not even god not even god and genesis 3 is a prime example of that and that's what augustine is trying to tell us that's what augustine says that lord he confesses lord did i even try to gain some deluded sense of power by doing the very thing that i knew was wrong that by rebelling and going against something that you didn't like i felt powerful and omnipotent oh how depraved am i and augustine is spot on thank god for christ thank god for the cross thank god that he sent his sinless son to live the life that we couldn't live to take upon himself the wrath that we deserved even though we are so power hungry even though we love our sin even though we commit wrong knowing it is immoral yet god in all his mercy and all his love did what nobody else would have ever done for us and that's the gospel and that's going to be very difficult for people to understand not because it's an intellectual problem not because they don't have evidence but because man by nature just cannot accept the idea of a, of subjecting to somebody else man by nature just cannot accept the idea of letting go of control and that's why denying yourself carrying the cross and following jesus is always going to be repulsive is always going to be offensive to all the unbelievers unless you've been chosen by god unless grace has found you then and then only will the cross be power true power which is christ crucified that's it from me guys and as always please do follow on spotify and every other podcast hosting platform and the gospel lens instagram handle and i will see you next time